0: Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally, at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at eight thirty and eleven uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at eight thirty and eleven Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We now hear from Judy for the Gospel reading. It comes from Luke. It is a story of Gabriel and Elizabeth. And then Elizabeth's and um, Gabriel, I'm sorry, Gabriel and Mary and then Mary and Elizabeth. What comes right after this is Mary's Magnificat.
1: The book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and you will name him Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the lord god would give to him the throne of his ancestor david he will reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end mary said to the angel how can this be since i am a virgin for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her.
0: Thank you, Judy. Um, I struggled with my sermon this week. We had a great Bible study. Uh, Always do on Wednesday morning Bible study at 930. I always invite everybody to join us. Uh, and I wanted to talk about that word favor. You know, it's it's similar to blessing, and we've talked about that before in Luke, when we get sermon on the plains, where it's blessed are those who are poor, or Matthew, when it's sermon on the mount, bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and blessing generally means more, not that it's going to go well with you, but more that God is close to you, and here we have that word favor used with Mary, and I was on a Facebook group discussion with some friends from seminary, and one of them said, I've, I've read enough of the prophets to understand when God finds favor with, with someone, rarely does it mean the kind of favor that we hope for. <laughs> right? Um, that when God finds favor has a task for you to do, rarely does it mean things are going to be easy. And we find that with Mary here. God finds favor with her, and now she's going to bear a child, Jesus. Uh, She, through this, well, I won't get into it, but needless to say, it's complicating her life a little bit. And Mary's response is, here I am, the servant of my Lord, right? And she sings this beautiful song, or the way we have it recorded, is the Magnificat that follows afterwards. And lately, frequently, over the course of my life, I don't always have that same enthusiasm that Mary seems to have portrayed. Rather, and this is where I was working on my sermon over and over again, I found myself more with the response of, if you've seen Fiddler on the Roof, the main character, Tevye, where at one point near the end, he looks up to God and exclaims, Lord, my my God, my God, I know we are your chosen people but sometimes can't you choose somebody else once in a while <laughs> that he's kind of exhausted of it. He, he doesn't want to do, he will, but more begrudgingly. And more often than not, I find myself identifying more with Tevier than with Mary. And uh, so I'm talking with another friend of mine, uh, Brian Scott, who works at a church out in Red Wing, Minnesota, First Lutheran and I'm talking through my sermon of what I want to do, and I say I feel like I'm stuck. I'm stuck at this point where I just want to say, if we respond like Mary, yes, but. Right? Yes, I know I need. If we're like Mary, God's calling us. Yes, but. And I couldn't get to that point, authentically at least anyways, of Mary's response. And I thought, do I want to preach a sermon that is maybe inauthentic, uh, which holds up Mary as a, a role model maybe, um, and say, but I'm not there, but lie about that. Or would I say, I'm not there. And my friend shared his sermon with me. And as I watched it, uh, honestly, I was moved to tears. Um, it's about 10 minutes long. I, I watched it, I called him back afterwards. And I said, Brian, and I stopped speaking because I got the lump in my throat again. And he goes, Tim, are you still there? I said, Yeah, I'm still here. That was just what I needed to hear. And I want to share his words with you because there are times in which the preacher needs to be preached at. There are times in which maybe I don't have the words but that doesn't mean that there aren't words to be said. And I asked Brian, can I share your sermon with everybody else? And he said, absolutely. He's like, I'd be honored if you would do that. So that's what I wanna do. I wanna share Brian's sermon with you this morning because I could try and repackage his words. But again, I think that would just be inauthentic. And I hope you are as moved by what Brian has to say as what I was.
2: They dragged the woman out into the street this angry mob, this is John chapter 8, and they were going to pick up rocks and they were going to stone her because they found her committing adultery. And the only reason they stopped is because Jesus stopped them. Jesus stepped in and rebuked them and dispersed the crowds. And we hope that they felt regret. We hope that they felt shame. But it doesn't say that. They could have just gone home and had lunch and gone on with their lives. There certainly was no consequence. Nobody was arrested for assault. No one was arrested for attempted murder because that was a world. That was a time when it was acceptable, when it was okay, when it was even expected that a mob of angry people could stone a woman for adultery. This is the world that Mary grew up in. This is the world into which the angel Gabriel called her to be an unmarried pregnant person. And it had to be just incredibly impossible to imagine how hard that would have been. I mean, her family seemed to accept it. Her family seemed to believe her. At least it doesn't say otherwise. We don't have a lot of clues in the Bible. But you just think of the community around her, the people that she knew her whole life, the, the people she might call uncle and aunt, even though they're just family friends, people who used to light up when they would see her in town. Now they would shake their heads, or they would whisper about her, or they would even call her out angrily in front of everybody. Who knows? But it just had to be so hard. I mean, hard enough that she had to leave. Her family sent her away for a few months to to get out of town. And of course she's pregnant, and she's pregnant 2,000 years ago. There's no doctors, there's no nurses, there's no medicine, there's no ultrasounds. There's just being pregnant. And I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that, but I've been adjacent to pregnant people. And it's hard. Your feet swell up and your back hurts and you don't sleep for three months and you're nauseous and you just feel uncomfortable in your body all the time. And this is, again, 2,000 years ago in a a small-town farming community, a poor farming community. She didn't get off her chores, she still had to do what needed to be done. Somebody still needed to get the water or nobody would drink. That's how it worked. So it didn't matter if you're pregnant. You still had to go and do the things you had to do. It had to just be so much work to have this calling from Gabriel. Turned her life upside down, filled her with fear and anxiety. I mean, what's going to become of this kid? The way that fatherless children are treated in the first century was not was not great, he would be shamed, he would be ostracized. And yet, when Elizabeth saw Mary, other way around, when Elizabeth was seen by Mary, Mary, the first thing she does, is she sings the song of joy. She sings a song of celebration. It is a song of such, just, happiness. We call it the Magnificat because it starts out, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary, the first thing she does with her relative is to praise God for all the good things that God has done. Now, if you read this text of her song, it's an ancient song. She's kind of quoting Hannah. She's kind of quoting Miriam, even. This is a hymn that's been sung in some version for thousands of years. But she made it her own, and if you read it, what she's saying is she's excited about what God is doing in Jesus, the way that that the world is going to be healed, the way that God is kind of shaking up everything, and all the brokenness is going to be fixed, and all the injustices are going to be righted, and just the excitement of God at work in the world. But then she's so excited about her role in it that she gets a part to play. That's what gets her so worked up. That's why she's celebrating and singing because she's got a place in it. And it's that part that just, I guess, just speaks to me today. I think right now, more than any other time, it just sometimes feels so meaningless, you know? It feels so purposeless. And when you hear that, what, what Mary was so excited about is her life, her work, her actions, it had meaning, it had purpose. And because of that It didn't matter how hard it was, it filled her with joy. I've got this uh, tab at home. It's in my office. It's, all I gotta do is take it to my car and put it on my license plate. It's already paid for, it's just, it's done. It'll take me 90 seconds. And I'm not gonna tell you how long it's been sitting in my office because it would be embarrassing. And also I could probably be arrested. I don't know why it's so hard, it just feels so meaningless to take that stupid little sticker and just put it on, put it on my license plate. But it just feels pointless. It just feels like I'm just feeding the bureaucratic machine or something. I don't know, I just, it's so hard to do because it doesn't feel like it has any meaning. Now, if that sticker, if I knew that if I put that sticker on the back of my car, that COVID would be eliminated from the earth. Well, then I would race home. I would hop in my car and I'd drive as fast as I could to get to my house. And if my car broke down, I would run. And if I broke my foot, I would crawl, I guess. I, you know. I, and when I got home, no matter how beaten and bruised and scratched up I'd be, I'd be laughing for joy because this thing is happening and everything, all this suffering and sorrow and sickness and death is going to go away. I'd be so excited about it. I'd be joyful and also that I would have a place to do it. That it'd be partly my role, that I that I had something to do with it. It'd give that moment, that day, that action, so much meaning. But without that meaning, it's so hard to do. So much of our time, so much of our lives, I think right now, more than any other time, I would argue in history, I could be wrong about that. I haven't Lived in other times of history, but it just seems like we have a really hard time with meaning and purpose these days. 200 years ago, you might spend the whole day chopping wood and piling the wood up next to your cabin and making sure you had enough for your family to keep them warm, and every single one of those actions would feel like it had meaning and purpose to it. You know, or you'd spend the whole day gathering food or trapping food or. cleaning it, and preparing it, and cooking it. And every single one of those actions would feel like they had meaning to it. Because it did, because they needed to be done in order for your, your family to be fed. And now, of course, you don't even need to turn your furnace on. It just does it automatically. You don't even need to cook your food. You can just unwrap it and just chow down. And those activities that used to give life meaning, now, instead, we mostly spend that time consuming things. You know, watching YouTube for three hours, and at the end of it, you're not even sure what it is you've been watching. It is hard right now, just in general in the 21st century, to have a sense of meaning in your life. And then you had COVID on top of it, and it just makes it that much harder, because we're separated from community. And community is another thing that that makes life feel like it has a purpose to it. So if you are among one of those people that sometimes feels like you're just adrift in a universe that is indifferent, that you're living a life that has no real bigger purpose or meaning, I guess, welcome to the club. It, that's how a lot of people feel. A lot of people are struggling with it, exactly that emotion. It's it's hard. It's also not true, You matter. Your life matters. What you do matters. You have purpose in this world and it matters. You are very much like Mary. You might differ in the particulars. You might be a different gender. You're certainly living in a different age. You might be a different age but you are just like Mary in that you, just like Mary, were called by God to bear Christ into a world that is desperate for it. This world is so hungry for God, so hungry to hear that they are loved. People are so hungry to to just have a sense of light in the darkness. They want so badly to know that they matter, that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And you and me and all of us were called to be the bearers of that light, to be the bearers of that love to a world that's desperate for it. And so, like Gabriel, I get to call you to be like Mary and to bear that light of Christ. So when this sermon is over, when this worship is over, to find ways to bear the light of Christ to the people around you, to the people immediately around you, to show them the grace and love of God. How can you let them know that they are loved today? How can you let them know that they're not alone today? How can you let them know that there is light in the darkness today? And I'd encourage actually the very first person for you to think about sharing that grace and the light with is yourself. It's hard right now. And you might be struggling, and you might not be doing too well, and you might be failing at showing love, and you might be ornery, and you might be snappy. I know for me, a few days ago, I just was shouting. In every conversation I was having, I wasn't angry. It wasn't like I was upset about anything. It just, I just went weird. I was having a conversation with somebody in the exact same room about you know, 10 feet away, and it was like they were across the football field. There's something about COVID that is making us all go a little batty. And if it's happening to you, give yourself some grace. Share that love of God with yourself. You're doing okay. You're making it. Just keep plugging along. Forgive yourself. Do your best to shake it off and then get out there. Because what you do matters. You have a calling from God. We, together, we've got work to do. Like Mary, let's go bear the light of Christ to a world that is desperate for it. Amen.
0: Thank you to my friend Brian for those words for us this morning. I hope you found them meaningful the way I found them meaningful. When it seems like there is meaningless. We are reminded that there is purpose for us and purpose for the world.